When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with, of course, Nick. Hey, brother. <laughs> For those of you who can't see the screen, he looked very shocked, looking in both directions and wondering where that came from. Well, you know, I try to I try to make it fun for me as well as you. And I know that you're not recording this in the sense that like no one can really see me until you put the videos up, but I hope that when you decide to put videos up, I find ways to make it entertaining for people that's that's what i'm here for to make things funny fair enough it's funny for me because you're either making faces at me or doing different things on a pretty regular basis so i find it entertaining and sometimes distracting but mostly entertaining so how was your week um it was it was okay it has been it's been a quiet week it's been decent i've been really tired lately so when i go to bed i sleep like a ton of bricks i wake up super sore which i'm not entirely sure why the week itself has been good i'm just you know trying to get ready for this season and then i'm trying to get all my stuff lined up so when you know this season kicks off i'll have everything ready to go i'm excited because i just saw photos of your concession stand oh the trailer yes Hopefully that will be parked in front of Dabble quite a bit this year. When we get it, maybe. <laughs> we got to get it first. <laughs> right. uh, we ordered it. I mean, they have a four-month build on it, so we ordered it at the end of February, so we're hoping to have it by July. But right. uh, I'm not really sure how long it's going to take to ship here either. I mean, I understand it's only a couple days worth of drive, but a lot depends logistically on how long it takes them to get it here. Right, right. Well, that still puts you here in front of Dabble during like the car shows and stuff like that. That'd be pretty cool. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, I'm probably going to end up having Brian do that as much as I would like to be there. I got three weddings a weekend for almost every weekend during the season. So I think right now there's 45 that or 42. There's 42 that are listed. Uh, we have a share a app called SharePoint where we can all log in and look at the same information. There's 42 on there. There's probably a half dozen that haven't been haven't even been posted on there yet. So we're we're almost at 50. Wow. So it's it's gonna be a good year. It looks like it's going to be a good year. Well, that is freaking awesome. I'm excited. So we didn't record last week. So everybody got a replay last week. Some of that was between you and I trying to find time between these jobs to get together. The other one was I was out of town at a conference. I actually went and spoke at a conference. How did that go? It was uh, it was a unique experience, first of all, because I have never done that in that kind of setting before. And in case anybody doesn't know, I went to the Michigan Downtown Association conference, and I was invited along with several of the members here in Duran, the, the city manager, the mayor, and of course, Councilman Jeff, to go speak about the Edible Landscape Project. And it was a lot of fun. Now, it is a planning meeting. Okay, this is a place where planners, uh, DDA officials, mayors come together. It's not necessarily always the highest of entertainment, but we did still have a lot of fun. And our team got quite nervous. We had our mayor trying to sneak out. I had to make him sit next to me so we wouldn't lose him. Uh, <laughs> once he realized there was more than 100 people in the room, he got a little nervous. But everybody did just fine. I'm hoping to be able to get a recording of it hopefully video but if not audio and if we can we'll get it put on for everybody here on the show that'll be awesome i think that that'd be something that'd be really entertaining for people to hear and i want to hear it i wish i could have been there but i had to work i tried to get somebody to cover the shift i want to surprise you but it couldn't get it to happen so the conference the conference was kind of fun i mean it was nerves were high i i won't even pretend that for most of us the nerves are high for myself the nerves were high in the beginning but you can see if the video comes, you'll see that about halfway through my discussion, I just threw my cards up on the table. I figured we were good. We had good engagement. People were nodding their heads. You know, it was, I was the room was good. In most of those conferences, people play on their phones about 80% of the time. Yeah. And it was like that one section during that whole conference, everybody was paying attention. That's so good. 
that was where I felt like, okay, I'm comfortable. Things are going okay. I don't need the notes. We can go from here. I think the response was quite good. We had four cities come to me afterwards looking for business cards. Where where can they find this additional information on how to do it themselves? It was uh, Sterling Heights, St. Ignace, Pinconning, and then I, I apologize. I don't remember the fourth one. It was one I couldn't pronounce, <laughs> I assume, up north. How many but, cities were there total? Well, so there was probably about 125 people, which equates to probably about 80 cities. So there's a lot, a lot of people there. Uh, not everybody, it, they were interested in what happened. Some were a little more cynical, you know, asking questions like, well, did anybody get sick from eating things and blame the city or any of that kind of stuff? You know, of course, the answer has been no. And it was I was able to answer all the questions quite easily. Mm-hmm. But nope, at the end of the day, we still had a, a handful of people come up to us. So if if one or two of those cities decide to do a project like that or even attempt a project like that, we've just made a little more progress. Mm-hmm. And that goes on top of we've got listeners that are working their butt off to try to get one here locally in Howell or seed exchanges or all these other things. So we're getting some traction. We're hoping that maybe not this summer a ton of them do, but after another successful year, we'll start seeing more come through. Well, even if it was one, even one more sitting is a step in the right direction. Remember, little bit, little bit, big bit. So if you if you do this conference and you get one other city that does it, and maybe that city sparks some interest in the surrounding areas around them, you got to figure not every single place is going to know that you guys are doing this. Not every city sent representatives to that conference. So I think it's wonderful. If just one does it, I think it's gorgeous. And I think that even if they don't do it, but you were asked to do that, that shows that you know the, the good you know good efforts are starting to spread. Yeah, and if, and if anybody follows the Greeting Your Life page on Facebook or on or the, the website itself, you can always sign up for, for, for information as it comes out. The dates have been released. We're working 14 days this year to create the next Edible Landscape project. And we put those out there. It's gotten shared everywhere. So if you see it, share it. The more people, the better. And hopefully it all works out well. I was also, it was mentioned, not asked, but the director of the MDA had made a comment after the after we had we had spoke that I may be invited back as a keynote speaker at one of their conferences. So you must have did a good job. I hope so. We'll see. Uh, my website jumped in in usage that <laughs> this this week. So I'm hoping people are on there looking at what we've done and how we've done it and all the other pieces that go along with it and. You know, even if it's for selfish reasons, I hope they do it. Absolutely. I think it's wonderful. And I think that if you keep going the right direction, eventually people will follow and good things will come. I agree. I agree. Well, I guess we should probably start a show. What do you think? Yeah, I think we should. All right. So a lot of times we work on these big, big scope items. And I want to occasionally get back to some of these other things and i know almost every sustainability show every sustainability website hits these certain topics and they're you know quite often are all all you see when you go to sustainability stuff so mm-hmm. but but we should do it occasionally too so this week we're talking about how to reduce single use items and the, and the, and some of the reasoning behind it and some of the discussion that goes along with it well, I know that we had mentioned this, and you had mentioned it to me about trying to think of single-use items. You know, and we obviously there are ones that come to mind. There are, you know, like plastic forks, plastic plates, paper plates. That kind of stuff is obvious. But I, I've been thinking about a couple other ones that I think that are are what I call semi-single-use, and they're they're single-use out of either convenience or ignorance, but not actually single-use. One I've already mentioned to you, and that's the coffee filter. Coffee filters are incredibly durable, and if you choose to, you can empty it off, rinse it off, bring it out, and you can reuse it the next day if you'd like to. Also, to, to touch another base, you can actually keep the coffee grounds for you know, out of the mulch or compost. You can use those to put back into your soil for nutrients. I have successfully grown green onions or scallions, if you will, in nothing but coffee grounds, so like, I know it's doable. The other thing that I was I was thinking about are razor blades. So... 
when I say razors, I talk about the kind you shave with. And I don't mean the ones that like you, you buy a handle and you go buy new blades. Those are bad enough. But when you go to like the Dollar Tree or you go to Walmart and they've got like a 50 count back of these these single use travel razors um you can actually use that razor two or three times if you're gonna get them for traveling that's fine but to be honest those blades are no different than the blades that are on your big fancy one you can use it way more than once you don't have to throw it away every time you get a new one yep and so on both of those points first of all when the time comes in that coffee pot dies on you there are ones out there that don't require filters they're just absolutely like a, a metal netting or a plastic netting inside and you don't actually need a coffee filter the other thing is razor blades are not recycled so anything we turn into a razor blade you use it until you can't use it now jamie gets mad at me if i use mine too often she she remembers a guy who got an infection from a from a from a razor that was too old that sat out and bacteria got in there and then he cut himself and it turned into a skin infection that was quite bad. Those things can happen. So keep that in mind also. It's always better to sanitize that blade before using it if you're going to keep that blade. But they can't be recycled. Nope. And, and even the ones with the plastic on there, they don't even try because you got a blade that can't be recycled hooked to this plastic that maybe can but it's not worth it. Well, there's no efficient way to really separate them. You know, you have two options. You have some type of machine that that manually crushes them. And then you take, assuming the metal is magnetic, I'm not sure if it is, but if, if the medic, the metal has magnetic properties, you could crush all of them and use a magnet to extract the metal. Then you have a pile of plastic that you're going to have to heat up and it's going to downgrade as it, you know, melts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you have just going straight to the melting. And either way, you're looking at releasing lots of toxic gases into the atmosphere or into the exhaust, whatever they do with it, just for a little bit of plastic. It's a tiny bit. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to recycle that kind of stuff, but I am going to say that it's a lot of work and a lot of money to throw at something that's so tiny. Well, there's a lot of studies out there that show that on a sustainability side, looking at full life cycles and embodied energy, that it is 30 times better to have an electric trimmer even counting for the electricity and standby than it is to buy razor blades. I don't doubt it. I mean, so just shaving my face or I'll just say trimming my face, not shaving real close, but if like how thick my goatee and beard get Mm -hmm. my beard and mustache trimmer with a full charge from just doing my face, it could probably do my face 30 times out of charge. Yeah. But we leave it plugged in most of the time. It's it's on standby and trickle charge, but even counting that, it is 30 times better to use an electric razor than it is to use any any disposable. And I do mean that when you buy the more expensive ones and you keep the handle and drop those blades and keep getting new blades, that's still disposable. Mm-hmm. Unless you're using a straight edge razor that you're sharpening yourself or honing yourself, it is far better to use the, elect- the electric razor, which I didn't know until I did the research. Well, you got to figure, like you and I talked before about the... Um the energy usage of electric motors versus like things that have to heat or cool things. And the motors don't really take that much power versus some of the alternatives. The motor and those, and those razors are so incredibly simple. It it just spins in a circle and causes vibrations that move the blades. It's not like it's got a bunch of moving parts. It's actually really easy, like really sit really easy designs. I think remote control cars are more complex. Yeah. It's, it seems to be uh, they're getting better and better to reduce complexity, reduce blade breakage. And really, when those start to die, it's the battery more than any of the mechanics. So I had one that I think I want to say, how old was I when I got it? I had a pair. They technically were hair clippers, but I used them for everything. They were bought for me when I was in high school. I used to wear that big afro. So I was like 13 or 14. They finally died in the middle of COVID in like maybe June or July of 2020. Yeah, so you got your embodied energy out of that. 20 years, baby. (laughs) 20 years. (laughs) And it's not like we have thin hair. We have thick hair. Those things worked. Oh, yes, they did. They worked hard. Um, (laughs) My hair is very thick, very coarse, very oily skin. I use those things a lot. And and to be fair, so everyone knows, in all all disclosure purposes, I, I cut my own hair. I probably haven't paid for a haircut in 15, 20 years. I use them a lot. Like, they got... They the reason they broke isn't because the battery or the motor wore out. All the brackets that hold the screws that hold the blades in place corroded and rusted, and the whole head fell apart. 
<laughs> and since that whole unit cost $20 when I was in high school, I didn't really see the need to tear it apart and try to fix it. Right, right. Well, and I think you got the use out of it. Indeed. So there's a lot of different things to look at when we talk about reducing single-use items. There's a handful of things that for the last 10 years, society has focused on, okay? Straws being one of them. It, straws are not the worst plastic waste that can be found. They're just something we use a ton of. And they're something that really isn't, it's a convenience plastic, well, right? Yeah, I think that to touch on this real quick, I think that the propaganda has led us to focusing on these items that aren't necessarily always, I mean, yeah, they're a problem. Any plastic waste is a problem, but I think that it leads us down these paths where we're focusing on things that, yes, are a problem, but aren't actually what we can be focusing on just because they're so abundant. They're easy to point a finger and say, that's what you got to fix. And um, sometimes I think that people's mindset of can I actually make a change becomes more prevalent than what change should I make? And I, that that's an issue in itself, but sorry, go on. Well, for me, what it is is okay. So maybe it's not the biggest place to point, but let's face it. Industry is the biggest place. Yep. Changes we make do not save this planet. Okay. Changes that we make force the people who have to change to make these changes to save our planet. And I, and I say that very dramatically because the planet's perfectly fine without us. Matter of fact, it flourishes if we can't live here. But it's really for us. So for climate change, for all these waste concerns, and, and remember, it's not just climate change. We're also filling oceans. We're killing wildlife. We're hurting the food chain, our food chain. We're, we're damaging ourselves in a lot of different ways, microplastics. So when I, when I say that in, in such dramatic fashion, understand that it's this wide net of items but for me it is you focus on something and get it gone which forces industry to acknowledge forces them to make those changes when you mm -hmm. cancel for lack of better terms cancel straws mm -hmm. you are eliminating all the manufacturing process and shipping that comes along with them not just the straw for me i find it mind-boggling because i am who i am how how silicone and aluminum straws aren't just like silverware at a restaurant because it would be cheaper for that for the restaurant to just wash their their straws along with their silverware and hand them out just the same you don't even need a straw we've been conditioned to use a straw so that we will consume six times more sugary beverage in a sitting when i when i go to europe i didn't get a straw you know, it was it was quite simple. Here's your drink. And they didn't have a lot of sugary sodas and all that other stuff either. But the the conditioning is what's there and we have to break the conditioning. So that's why we focus on straws. You have to, it, it's a vanity item. It's a comfort item. It is a luxury. No one that there's a very tiny amount of people who require a straw. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily need them. And we go through. 50 million straws a day, 125 full school buses of straws per day. The last time, uh, the last time I, I went to a place, they, they sat down more straws than what we had for cups. That's kind of ridiculous. It's just they walked by, threw a handful down, and kept walking. Once they hit the table, no one's going to use them. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they you do can't... have a paper on them. They have a paper on them. You hope they'd take them and put them back. Well, you can't, though. Even by health code, you can't. Once it hits the table, any single-use item, if it's not able to be washed and sanitized, it can't be reused. You can reuse anything that has a hard plastic, or you can actually like take disinfect it and spray off like jellies and butters that aren't open and reuse them, but you can't do it with a plastic straw because it's in a paper wrapper. I think the same thing with um, the plastic stir sticks. So let's put plas these plastic stir sticks and straws and all these small items in the same bucket. These, I mean, they essentially last forever when it comes to human life they mm -hmm. we have suitable replacements it used to be well my family can't use aluminum straws because i bite down on them or something happens with my teeth or whatever it happens to be but now they have the silicone ones too that last just as long so oh. i haven't i haven't seen those i have i have silicone tips on my steel straws mm -hmm. um that are for really for comfort and to protect your lips because it does get super cold 
But, and with that being said, I like the original version of the stir stick. I call it a spoon. (laughs) You already have that at the table. Just think, just in general, how many straws you get rid of just by having the restaurants. And uh, and I got to tell you, aluminum straws are cheap. We have piles of them at the house. Mm Mm-hmm. Jamie, I think, still keeps one in her purse when we go out. Even like, at the gas, even at the gas station, where they do nothing but gouge prices, the, I've never seen them for more than a dollar a piece. Yeah, and that's that is super high. Usually, you can get ten for a dollar. You know, they're they're very inexpensive. You can get smoothie size. You can get a small, thinner size, so you drink a more reasonable rate. But they're aluminum. They're a hundred percent recyclable. So if you use these things for 10, 15 years and they get dinged up and, and doinked and bent, you know, little dents in them and you're, you're saying, oh, this just isn't that pretty. Personally, I like that. So all my cups, the paint, you know, all my aluminum cups, the paint is starting to come off them. They're getting dinged and doinked. I like the age look of them because it looks like I've had them a long time. But if you don't, anything that's aluminum, 99.99% recyclable. As long as you get it to a recycling place, it becomes aluminum again. Well, to quote um, one of my previous employers, um, a book has to live. Essentially, what that means is, or what it meant is, just because you have something that that may get tarnished or it has a mark on it, it doesn't mean it needs to be thrown away or disposed of. You have to be able to buy it. You have to be able to see value in your items past vanity. So you're right. Maybe your cup might have some paint coming up. Does it change how it serves you? Does the drink still stay in there? Well, yes. Does it still keep it cold? Well, yeah. When you tip it over, does it go in your mouth or down your shirt? In my (laughs) mouth. Well, then there's no reason to buy a new one. If you want to listen, you do you, but like uh, item has to live. You have to be able to like say, okay, well maybe this got dinged up. Well then be more responsible with your stuff. But like you have to realize that just because something gets scratched or or dinged up doesn't mean it's garbage. I mean, are you going to get a new car every single time you get a stone chip in your windshield? And I, I love I like the look because it, it reminds me of how long I've had it, if you will. And it gives it character to me. Now, a lot of people like nice things. And if it starts to be less, a lot of people like nice things. And if, and if, if it starts to look banged up or weathered, then they want to get rid of it but to each their own at least if it's aluminum it's recyclable 100 recyclable don't throw it in the trash throw it in the recycling and it will get recycled back to aluminum it's one of the few materials that this world still recycles at a high rate yeah well I mean, it's a soft metal it's used a lot um and to be fair they use it so much that they don't i don't really ever see it combined with a lot of stuff usually aluminum is aluminum yeah, I mean, from from soda cans to straws, aluminum can be recycled back into its ex, its original form. Uh, it does not downcycle, so it is one of those things. I I have a little package of straws that I can keep in my truck uh, of aluminum straws. We have them at the house. It's one of those things that we can eliminate. It's a habit, so it's not. If you don't care to have a straw, don't ask for one. I think I've said on here several times, I'm trying to get used to just saying, you know, uh, iced tea unsweetened without a straw, please. Mm-hmm. You know, making that my habit. They'll still bring the straw 70% of the time, but I'll slide it back and say, no, thank you. And then they, if, as long as they take it on the spot, they're just throwing it back in the pile. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to point, I want to point out a, a loophole or just a hole in the whole health code thing with straws. So most places that serve straws in a paper wrapper generally have waitresses that carry them around in a pocket all day long. And I find that to be just as unsanitary as leaving it on the table. So like if if we go to a place and they give us straws, I use it sometimes, but more often than not, I don't use them anymore. I, I don't I don't see the purpose in it. And also I find that to be kind of grotesque. Yeah, I mean, we it, for generations, we just drink out of a cup. And I get it. Sometimes you have your teeth are sensitive. Mine are very sensitive to cold. Mm-hmm. It, okay, so if an ice cube gets in my mouth, it hurts. It does. It, it, it triggers the nerves in my in uh, where my teeth are. Okay. Um, no, no I, I don't look confused because I don't understand what you're saying. I, I'm going to say something and I'm going to sound like an idiot, so bear with me. Mm-hmm. So when people say that, like, oh, they have sensitive teeth, I understand that, but, like, I think I must drink weird because when I drink, I kind of, like, 
bend my tongue so it makes like a trough and it goes straight down my throat. Like beverages never touch my teeth, ever. <laughs> and for me, uh, because I have that sensitivity, I just use my lip to block any ice from coming into my mouth as I drink a, you know, a drink. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't disrupt me from drinking. What it does is it makes me drink at a much more reasonable rate. I can't suck a half cup down in one drink. I have to drink as I'm thirsty, drink by drink. So it does reduce the amount of sugary substances I'm drinking, or it will do the same thing with water or tea. But I understand the sensitivities. I have it, but you can, we're all still capable. I agree. So, we're all still capable. So let's go to another easy one, which is water bottles. Granted, water bottles, there are times you need a water bottle, uh, a plastic from the store, from a vendor. You know, when I go to the maker's fair and I've run out of things I brought and I have my kids with me and they're thirsty and it's September and we're out on a parking lot, I'm going to buy a bottle of water. Those things happen. Mm -hmm. It's the conscious effort not to. It's the preparation so you don't have to. Almost everybody who sees me at a conference, at Dabble, wherever we're at, I, I have one of two things. Either this, my reusable drinking cup Mm -hmm. or a can those are uh, on top of the fact that i just like the flavor that comes out of a can better than a plastic bottle but those are my two options if i get a if i send jamie inside to get a soda it's a can i it those are the two things for me water bottles are one of those things that we've grown accustomed to just buying 50 at a time having them on hand Mm-hmm. And and that's still something I'm trying to solve here at Dabble. I'm looking into getting those big cooler jugs and stuff and getting rid of the waters that we that we have here. But we have to be more mindful. That's another one to break that's easier to break because it's just preparation. So when I talk about wanting to put together a program to have free water throughout the city that has the water refill stations, that conditions people to carry a container instead of stopping and buying a water bottle. Because remember, water or companies do not manufacture water like they do soda. They manufacture bottles. They don't even even pay for the water in most cases. Right. So it's, it's the battle of they've made it convenient versus we've prepared. Mm -hmm. And as long as we have our container, there's always a place to fill it are usually a place to fill it. So water bottles is another one of those ones that we we could break the habit of if we can get away from the convenience and create our own convenience. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. When the transition happened back years ago from glass milk jugs to plastic ones, why did they make that transition? Durability and weight reduction. But, you, can, you can stack a lot more at, at, at less uh, weight and be able to transport more with less weight without and have less breakage. Okay, so next question. When they were using glass jugs, um, was the milk pasteurized the same way that it is now? I'm not necessarily sure. I believe you know, in the early stages, no. Um, now, by the time they made that change, yes, because I think that was in the 70s. But these all, you know, the plastic containers, they also have a freshness indicator on them those little punch packets on the side that indent when they're out the gases have expelled and that that milk is bad you know so there's other factors to it they're designed to be able to stack in a certain way so you get the maximum amount of milk containers in 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 your transit glass was too heavy glass was uh, easy to break and that was the thought process from moving from one to the other primarily okay i was wondering because it um I've never been a big fan of milk. I don't dislike milk. I'm just like, it's good with cereal and like the occasional cookie, but I don't ever drink it. I never get thirsty. I really want a glass of milk, like never. But when I, when I worked in Corona, one of our regulars uh, managed a dairy farm and every now and then he'd bring us in a couple of gallons of fresh milk and fresh milk is so, so different than pasteurized milk that it, it, it bears the question that once you try it, like why would you go back to pasteurized milk? <laughs> Like I'm serious. Like it's it's delicious. 
But it's it's weird because the fat will actually separate. You have to mix it up after a little while. Like it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't just hold its form and sit there in the fridge. And there's also no extra sugar in it, which is something to add to milk when they pasteurize it. So it's I don't know. I enjoy it. I like it more. I was just curious of when that change happened. Well, there was never necessarily a reason for adults to drink milk. You can get uh, women, they always say women need the calcium, but there's tons of things, including greens, that include the calcium that are needed for healthy bones. The That industry lobbied very, very hard to make it a beverage. Then it was a beverage that didn't necessarily taste like a beverage because humans don't need baby cow hormones. They really don't. Well, well no, and, and milk isn't really good for any human. It's not even good for kids. It's it. I mean, ultimately, like, you could digest it better as a kid, but, like, most adults can't digest milk very well. well and Jamie that. drinks a ton of milk. That yep. is her bever- That is her second beverage of to- choice. Well, I was like, Diet Pepsi's one. So. <laughs> well, and so it is, it is not necessary for, human, for any mammal to have milk after a certain age. And it was starting to dwindle off. And that is where the added sugar came into play. Now it has a rather large amount, like 13 grams of added sugar to milk. It's no longer considered a health food. And it was wrong when it was, but it's no longer considered a health food. It's considered a beverage now because of the all of the sugar added to it. So milk is one of those things that honestly doesn't necessarily need to exist in a human diet and a whole in a massive industry. That is only here because certain people want it here. It is not something that are, that is needed. So now, water bottles. The reason why I talk about this, everybody hears about it. We the U.S. goes through fifty billion water bottles a year. Just a few. Just just and, you know, eight times our population total. Go on. And uh, and we only recycle water bottles at twenty three percent. And I think that's kind of a high number. I think it's closer to 20. It's it's a down cycle item. So it is only recycled at the rate we need it recycled. And for business, remember the driver is, is it cheaper to recycle than it is to get raw materials? And we are living in an age of the final cash grab of oil and natural gas. Right now, we are living through a period of time where those who be have decided that they will try every single thing they can to use up every final drop of that resource, no matter what it takes, between propaganda, marketing, wars, whatever it takes to to get a premium. We are in the end cycle of oil. We're taught, you know, 20 years from now, it'll be a side item, not a mainstay. Everybody knows it. The, The companies who that's their business model know it. And so in the meantime, a lot of plastics are made from the waste of petroleum production. It is still cheaper by far, by far, to get raw materials directly from the oil industry than it is to recycle any plastic. And if that's the case, and we live in a world where money makes the decisions, where economics is the driver, then you'll never really recycle anything significant. Because you're only getting companies who buy that material so they can stamp it on the side of the box and greenwash what they have. They're not buying that material because it's more cost effective. And that's where you see where they talk about carbon credits and carbon tax and all these things. That is the stick, if you will, for the carrot and the stick to -hmm. get them to change the pricing to make it more expensive. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where it's pump and run as fast as possible. Which takes me in, I wanted to go to my coffee cups because I love my coffee cups. I love my, my reusable cups on a regular basis. They are getting dinged and doinked, but at least everybody has gotten to know me well enough that I have a specific brand. Was it Contego? Is a pretty popular normal brand that all the lids fit the same. Oh, so you can so, mix and match. So Jamie and I together have, have collected about six of these cups. Through holidays, because people want it. Hey, what do I get, Mike? What do I get, Jamie? And we, every once in a while, we get one of those. Now we have about six, but all the lids match, and when I, or fit, they don't all match. Sometimes I have a pink lid on my blue cup, but so that if something breaks, we we don't lose the functionality of the cups. 
We just might mm -hmm. have might have one less lid. So far, that hasn't been a thing, but that's why we did it. So we never lose the cup because the plastic part broke. Walmart used to sell these um, these white plastic cups that were just a plain white plastic cup. They had a soft silicone hand grip on them. They were $5 a piece when I lived in Clio. And they were all interchangeable. They had different styles, different colors, and different. And they were all interchangeable. I used to buy them all the time. And one time, I probably had 15 of them. But that's all that was in my cupboard in Clio. That's all I had. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we're little by little, we're dwindling off as as kids break classes and things like that to where really all we have is these reusable containers there's a stack of plastic cups that we've gotten from events or different things people have given us mm -hmm. but as for like let's have a fancy meal here's your cups we don't have that we have a mix and match mm -hmm. of things but we to be fair we don't use them we jamie will use a glass um on a, i'd say a regular basis the kids might use those plastic cups for milk or different things. I almost never use anything other than my reusable cup. Well, I have a number of different drinking vessels. I have a couple glasses left that were in the house when we bought or when we moved in. And we've never bought more glasses since. I have a lot of coffee mugs. In fact, people's general go-to to buy me a gift is a coffee mug or a reusable coffee cup. I have a few. <laughs> and usually ones that I like a lot that get past their prime or get dropped and broke end up going down here on a shelf because I love them so much. Or like this one right here. So they have it. This like I have this blue, just plain blue ceramic mug. I love drinking coffee out of this on a nice cool day in the morning, watching that steam come out. I like the way it feels. I love it. So like I love these. I don't buy more of them, but I enjoy them. I don't I don't really like going to like my favorite coffee spot in Duran and getting the paper cup. I right. mean, if that's all I have with me, then I'll buy it. But I prefer, you know, to use my good stuff. Well, and there are times that you have to have a cup when you didn't bring yours. And I think I've gotten pretty This is one of those habits I've gotten good at. Mm -hmm. Now, during COVID, people wouldn't even let you refill your cup, except for in certain places. Mm -hmm. Right, stomping grounds down here, let me do it. McDonald's won't. So if you bought well, a coffee, they will not let you not use their cup. Well, when um I go to Big B, Big B is the closest like decent coffee shop we have to the house. If I wanted to go get a latte or something, they have a size, or they used to offer a size on their menu before COVID that was only available if you had bought their reusable cup. They have a thirty-two ounce reusable coffee cup. It's like holding a, a jug. I mean, it's it's a quart. You know, thirty-two ounces is nearly as much as people think it is but in a coffee cup it's quite large and during covid they have you know we we can't do that so they just took it off the menu they never put it back you still buy the cups but they won't it's not on the menu anymore though yeah the the stat i found is that when it comes to paper or plastic cups for coffees or sodas or any of that stuff almost zero percent of those are recycled because it's just uh, they just throw them in the trash 500 billion cups we go through 500 billion cups mm -hmm. on this planet and they just get tossed they're not that this is a either paper with wax on it or plastic that is printed on runs through major production sent all over the world mm -hmm. and we order a small coffee take our six drinks and throw it in the trash and keep walking well due to um some of the laws you can't recycle food waste and so to tackle that we should really have posed some legislation to change the law i'm not i mean i'm not saying recycle it to where you could put another coffee cup of coffee in there but what i'm saying is all of that stuff coffee cups pizza boxes are another huge one if they're not mm -hmm. on your list they should be that tips takeout containers like all the ones that are really just like cardboard or paper could be ground up and used for something else like it's not like it's worthless material yeah yeah, and they and the pizza boxes they do it because of the grease. You can't really compost it. You you know where you could grind it up and compost it, but then that those greases and things get into the the soil. It's not a nutrient. It it will hinder some of the plants and kill some. It is that's what natural fats and greases are different. You just like when you have meat. If you cook mm -hmm. meat, that does not get composted. Only pure organic waste gets composted. You don't put any meats in there. Any greases. Any any of this process stuff like that. My garden, none of that goes there. It Okay. Uh, you know way more about that than I do. I just kind of assume the nature would break it down. 
Over I time, mean, nature will break anything down. But when, when you're gardening and you're using that nutrient, that those greases bind to everything, creates this gel, if you will, that is blocking the plants from those nutrients and harming those plants if they grow through it. Oh, okay. Learn something new every day. That's disgusting. <laughs> it is, actually. So cups are one of those things that we can get through. And we, I think we've, we're getting better. Maybe I feel like we're getting better because all the people around me are usually carrying a reusable cup, even if they're not doing it because they're around me. It is, it is something you see on a regular basis. We just need the structure within cities to match it. That's why I want, I, you know, if anybody out there wants to sponsor uh, drinking fountains in Durand, let me know. I want to have water refill stations, not drinking fountains, because those get shut off during COVID kind of moments. But summertime use refillable stations where people who are out walking, riding bikes, walking their dog, trying to move from one place to another using our non-motorized transit have a place to fill their cups or their dog's dish. And that is, as long as we build the structure around it, it will just speed up, how, mm -hmm. speed up how much we use it. So I just went grocery shopping yesterday, asked the, the person there, I can start bringing my bags again. So we're out of the COVID window of that we can't bring our own bags anymore. Plastic bags is another one of those things that we all know about that don't get recycled. Now we, in my household, reuse them for dozens of things, trash bag liners, I bring them to dabble so when people buy things like 3d printed things i wrap them in there so it got a second use you know so there's my goal is to get two and three uses out of every bag but during COVID, i ended up with so many bags mm -hmm. that it like i kept bags to the point where when we when we first put in the garden i used it as the layer under the rocks to keep the weeds out but that's a that really it's not a bad idea it's just another plastic layer of stuff that i had so all I did was lay it down before I put the rocks down to keep the weeds from growing up through it. Yeah, I understand that, but what I'm I, I know, but I'm saying like instead of going and buying like the pond liner plastic they want you to buy or the netting stuff, which allows them you to keep everything out except for what you want. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not a terrible. No, that's that's almost so different than a window screen, but that's not a bad idea. I mean, you can cut holes in it and plant plants there, and then bury it underneath to keep the the stuff from growing around it. It, it was just one of those things, a use that I found. Because here's I, the deal. If I send it back in the trash, it's going to end up in the ground anyways. It's just going to mm -hmm. be in the, in the ground in a useless place. I used to use them as parachutes when I was a little kid for action figures. Yep. We we have a stack here for STEM classes at Dabble that we'll be able to use for different things. So that's one of those things that just doesn't get recycled. I think I told the story several times that when I used to work for Stemnetics, we tried to recycle shopping bags so i tried to melt them down into a, a carvable block in a toaster oven doesn't work no we caught that we caught it on fire and had to hang it out the window of a school uh <laughs> no so so plastic that's actually that then even if you were to wrap it up and pack it and like brick it so tightly to where it was mm -hmm. super dense because the layers are so fine it ignites so quickly and it actually almost evaporates as it burns versus melts it's, mm -hmm. it's really bad. I'm not saying I've really melted a ton of them in my day, but I did spend some time as a firebug when I was younger, and you can't melt it. Yep, so we, we, we can now bring back the reusable bags, which I have a, a, a decent amount to work with because <laughs> everybody gives me theirs because they know I'll use them. So this week they'll be going back into my truck, so I have them for grocery shopping. And that will help reduce the amount of plastic bags because here's the deal. We go through 5 trillion per year, 5 trillion plastic bags. It's 160,000 per second. Yeah, that's how many plastic bags. And that is with several states. And I, I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but it's like Connecticut, New York, Oregon, Hawaii. There's a bunch of them who have banned plastic bags. And mm -hmm. we're still going through. 160,000 per second. Well, yeah, and you also have to realize though, there's even even in the states that haven't banned them, there are stores that, like big chains like Aldi, which they don't even have them. You either bring your own bags or you use boxes if they have the boxes. Um, the only bags Aldi has are the reusable, like they have these, they're still plastic, but they're bigger tote style ones that you can buy for, I think they're a dollar a piece or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And at least they're reusable. Right. 
Well, and there's and that's not the only plastic bags. I know when I say plastic bags in grocery store, we only think of those white welcome bags or thank you bags. But the produce bags, when you go to buy produce. Now, pretty <laughs> soon, I will not be buying produce because I'll be growing it throughout a whole city. And I'll grow the stuff that I like most in my yard and everything else I'll grow throughout the city and pick as it's available. But I'll use produce bags to get it. Not the plastic ones, the nets. I have a series of nets that I use when I buy produce. Okay, so I have I have two different ways of handling this, and they're both very unpopular with either one group of people or the other. If I go to the grocery store, I put everything in one bag, and it seems like a great idea until I get up to the cash register and the lady rolls her eyes, takes everything out because you have to be scanned differently or weighed. So she gets annoyed, but it's one bag. The other thing is, and this is the one I don't understand people's friction on, if you're going to wash your produce at home like most people do, why even put it in a bag? I mean, most things like bell peppers, onions, tomatoes that are about the size of a baseball to a softball, they don't really need to be bagged. Just put them in the basket in your cart when you're going to the store, and then they'll ring them up, take them home. They're going to bag them anyways right there at the register if you're going to get that bag. And then go home and wash them like you're going to. It's one less bag that you have to take. Yeah, most fruits and vegetables. Well, let me take that back. I believe all fruits and vegetables have a skin. That skin is designed to protect the fruit and vegetable that's inside, the meat, if you will. And now, granted, genetically modified fruits and vegetables usually have a softer skin. It's designed to not protect as much but grow better or thicker meat inside. But what the things you're talking about, cucumbers, peppers, you know, you may want to be a little selective on where you're putting the tomatoes, but you're, you're right. They're going to put them in a bag. As long as you know they're all in one bag or they're separated into two bags, you know how to protect them on the way home. No different well, yeah. than that thin plastic bag you had to begin with. Yeah, and to be honest, you're, and you're right. All, I always called it a rind, but all, all fruits and vegetables do have you know something of that of that nature. And it's actually, that's edible too, but that's a whole other argument. Some of the things I understand the bag for, radishes, I, it makes sense. They're small. If you are lucky enough to have a grocery store that has a great supply of Brussels sprouts, I understand it. You know, you're not going to stuff them in your pockets and then unload like a squirrel at the uh, <laughs> register. But for things that are large, unless you're going, you're buying an obscene amount of that kind of stuff. And in that case, there's been many times I've flagged people down and said, can I have a box, please? Because I'm not going to buy five bags full of green peppers. I might need 30 of them, but I'm not going to go through it. It's like, like same thing with potatoes. I, I'll tell you what, one of my biggest pet peeves and, frust and frustrations is going to a store and ordering, ordering produce and bulk and saying i want 50 pounds of potatoes expecting a recyclable perfectly good usable cardboard box to come out and getting like eight five pound bags mm. or 10 like i'm really like it's it's really frustrating for me like all, all they did was I, took what they had in stock and threw them in a box and said here you go that's actually that's exactly what a lot of those places do one of my big issues with gordon's is that exact thing gordon's is transitioning from a a bulk like restaurant superstore like the sam's club for restaurants and into like this this fancy gfs you know what's on your table grocery store and i understand they want to appeal to more people and they want to sell more stuff but for heaven's sakes man like if i order 50 pounds of potatoes from your store to be picked up it's because i don't want to walk in and buy all those bags it's right. not like the ones where the factory are going to taste any better. Like potatoes are potatoes in that regard. Like when I need them for like mashed potatoes. But the idea is that the getting the bulk for me is more convenient. It's better in the environment and it's easier to work with. I have less waste and I have an easier time saving whatever I have left. If I have any left and if I don't want to use everything, this is something that I do. And I, I kind of like, I don't want, I'm not going to call it bricking, but like if I'm doing, if I'm doing a catered event or if I have a couple of them, as I, I'll keep like a box like that. And as I work throughout that day, the box becomes my trash can or it becomes, you know, where I put waste, like food waste to be brought home and fed to the chickens or the pigs. Like I get something to do with it versus just shoving a bunch of plastic bags on a plastic bag and put in a big box. It's just terrible. <sighs> okay. <laughs> it sounds like you have a, a, an emotion when it comes to this. Oh, Michael, I get very annoyed very easily. And yes, it annoys me. So these are things we can fix. When I go to Horrocks, and I haven't been there in a while, and I, it's about that time, I take, the nets. I take those nets, 
and that lets me for the small items like you're talking about brussels sprouts is one of the things i always get there i always get several pounds mm -hmm. and i just scoop them into that hemp net that i've had now for several years that's all i need to do i don't need the bags i don't need these other things the the apples and the unless i have a ton of them i usually buy five or ten apples or you know uh mandarins or different things they can be they can just sit there you know but i have at least five of those bags so if i need to put more things in there i can i'm not going to do it with watermelon i'm going to do it with smaller things so it is there is a way to get away from those plastics and it's just a habit you just put those same hemp style nets inside your reusable bag so when you get to the grocery store they're there mm -hmm. so a couple other things real quick one all the plastic wraps baggies and as you were talking about plastic cutlery plastic cutlery is a pretty easy one to get around i bought all that uh silverware during that recycle point in my life where i started making changes mm -hmm. i bought it all from goodwill and i still have it so at our house almost never will you find uh plasticware you will find more silverware the unmatched yep. the bag of the unmatched silverware is what we have during barbecues and family get-togethers and it really is easy take a set of that to work with you always have one with you either in a vehicle or and i don't mean buy a set take an old set a dinged up set something like that it will still feed you i promise are you telling me that the fork from 1984 and the the knife from 1972 and the spoon from 2006 i'll put food in your mouth the same way they do they absolutely do but one now, has granted, circles and one has squares <laughs> jamie doesn't there, I, I understand that for the ones, for the pieces that you show others, she really likes matching items. She likes the fact that things look nice. But face it, for picnics, for barbecues, no one cares. No one cares that I might get one or two jokes when I bust out the silverware baggie. I pull out this huge gallon bag that we've had now for several years, and everybody takes a fork out of it. And Kudos to the bag. That's a lot of weight. It's been there as long as they've it's been, they've been there so it is i do take a few jokes here and there but most of the time no one cares they're still eating and that's a good it's easy silverware is easy and once the kitchen is done and dabble all the plasticware will leave here too i'll go to goodwill we will get silverware and we will have silverware because we'll be able to wash it once the sink is in a couple of stats for you real quick in the united states we go through 100 million plastic utensils a year we plastic wrap we go 200 uh 2.8 trillion tons of cling wrap per year and 58 million ziploc bags per year just in That's the united states intense and those are just more plastics that we use one time wad up throw it away and it stays here forever in a human lifetime and I say I always say forever in a human lifetime because we don't necessarily know exactly how long each plastic will take to break down, but I guarantee you'll be dead before it does. So well, forever to a human lifetime is pretty easy. It's around a hundred years. Well, it's actually it's it's really it's more than that though. It's it's forever in several human lifetimes because the first plastic bags that were created are still in the ground. So um, mm -hmm. it's not like they've broken down and we have a way to measure this. We don't. We have theories. You know. We don't actually know how to measure it because it's, it hasn't been done yet. None of us have lived that long. Well, they can take the, how much time it's been there times, you know, the degradation and the environment and kind of. And hope they're right. And hope they're right. Now, there are things like beeswax food wrap that are comparable, mm -hmm. but I don't know the embodied energy. I don't know what kind of cost difference it is. I think the better answer is try to cook to the level in which you're eating that day. Try not to have leftovers. Just try to here's the i have always thought you had to have something left when you were done that's how i knew everybody was full but i think there's a difference between satisfied and full yeah, there and is I, and i'm not i've never really i've never really understood that that if i make a, a plate for everybody they're all satisfied they're not stuffed. They're not in pain. There's no massive indigestion. Like when, when people go to a buffet and have to eat, you know, to quote unquote, get their money's worth to the point of pain and misery. If I make a plate for everybody and they eat that, we're done. We, there is no plate of substance I'm going to put out that is going to allow you to die before the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You will have plenty of nutrients. 
and it's it's something that I'm trying to get better and better at. So you don't have the leftovers because uh, leftovers are easily wasted if you're not if you haven't planned to use them. And I think that's better. That's how you get rid of plastic wrap. That's how you get rid of these baggies is that you just plan not to have leftovers or at least do your best to get to that point. Because another plastic item is trash bags. Mm -hmm. Trash bags are, I never really thought about it until my mom was telling me about when she was a kid, they didn't have them, that it was just a trash can. And when the trash can was full, it went to the road and the people dumped it and they, before they brought it back in the house, they rinsed it off and brought it back into the house. Trash cans were just that, trash cans. There was no liner. They just rinsed them out as needed. Oh, wow. I guess I never thought about it. I guess I just kind of assumed they were always around. Well, like, like my mom said, well, when she was a kid, there wasn't nearly as many plastics. So all the food waste, all the organic food waste went to the garden, got thrown into the garden. All the other food waste went to the chickens. Mm-hmm. Which leaves like she's like tinfoil at some at certain points in history was washed and reused mm-hmm. on a regular basis, which is understandable. It was much, especially back then, it was much more durable and thicker at a higher gauge than it is today. But so very little actually went to the trash. So you didn't have this. Where here everything that. I have to start, I'm going to get back to bricking my plastics. It condensed my trash dramatically. I took out way less trash when I was bricking. We're back to burning. You know, we'll burn the the uh, papers and stuff like that that we don't compost into the soil. I would like to get a bigger shredder because I think that'd be kind of cool to be able to shred cardboard and be able to mix that into soil mm-hmm. for compost. But really the fact is, is that we use things out of convenience far too often. A trash bag is, is a big one. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how many trash bags people go through a day, but like, but like in my home, we have trash bags. Most of the smaller ones are just welcome bags or thank you bags, but mm-hmm. I don't buy the small trash bags, but 13 gallon bags, we go through those mm-hmm. at, Dab- at Dabble. We have liners that do the same thing. It's just, we go through far too many. Now, one last thing before we end today, and there is this goes on forever. The list could be forever, but is paper towels versus a cloth. And on every website, you're going to see, you know, stop using paper towels. You've got this cloth. But we really should have both for different reasons. If you use a washcloth for one use before it has to be washed, the amount of embodied energy in that washcloth for that one use far is the paper, the paper towel. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can use it over and over and over again, where it would have been, you know, 10 or 15 uh, paper towels, then that's different. But let's say everybody gets a washcloth for dinner and that's the, the, the item they wipe their hands on. But at the end of it, they're all collected and washed again. You're not saving energy. Mm-hmm. And that's that whole embodied energy phase. You're you're actually far worse than if everybody would have had those half sheets of paper towel. Because we that's the bigger thing. We did, we just use too much when we want to use it. Those smaller tear offs are plenty for us if we're having a meal or anything. Yep. You know. So keep that in mind when you're looking at things. It is good to have something reusable and not a single use item, but. Can it be used over and over and over again before you insert more energy to it? And washing is inserting that energy into it. It does get divided by the amount of clothes. And if you're using hot water, there's other sites, there's other things to put in there. Mm-hmm. But we still need to use it more often than just a single use. So anyways, this show was primarily kind of getting back to what people expect when we talk about sustainability and these little tips and tricks and things that allow us to get a little better. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Nick, I know you always enjoy it when we talk about waste. I sure do. (laughs) So thank you all for listening. If If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media or with a friend. Other ways you can support Realistic Sustainability is by becoming a monthly supporter or a sustainer on our Anchor hosting site. You can find us simply by typing Realistic Sustainability into the search bar 
or going to greenyourlife.org back or forward slash podcast. If you can't do that, that's perfectly fine. What we would love to see is some more five-star reviews. It's been a while since someone has reviewed us. So either A, you don't believe we're performing at a five-star level, or B, you just haven't had a chance. If you do get that chance, add a five-star review. It really helps people find us in the search engines. It moves us up the rankings and things. And for those of you who already have, thank you so very much. Now, remember, we only get together each week like this to get a little bit better. Our goal, a little better each day. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.